The following is a fourth hand production. 15, 64, 50, 80, 90, 90. Hey, you guys. <gasps> oh, my nose! Oh, my nose! Welcome to a very Brady podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Jimmy. And with me today is the other host of the show, Tech. Hi. And on this podcast, we celebrate the iconic TV show, The Brady Bunch. As we break down the bunch one episode at a time, we take the episode, we break it down. Mm. We secretly record what you guys say and listen to it in private, <laughs> only to bring it back up at the most inopportune times, only to wreak havoc and cause huge arguments all for your enjoyment. Mm -hmm. I guess that would be for our enjoyment, but you get the (laughs) point. On today's episode, we look at season three, episode nine entitled The Private Ear. If you haven't watched the episode, please feel free to stop the podcast and go watch it before continuing. You don't have to, but it might make it a hell of a lot more funny if you do. The Brady Bunch is available to stream on Hulu, CBS All Access, and... Amazon It'd be fun when I was saying that. I was thinking how funny it would be if somebody was like, "Wait, I, I haven't watched that." I have. Oh, oh, oh okay. I, I'm allowed to stop. Okay, Whew. okay, good. good. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, you don't need our permission to stop this podcast. Yes, you do. Yeah. But we give it at every episode. We do. We give you our permission. We give you our blessing. You're welcome. Just don't do it while you're driving because you probably shouldn't be watching Brady Bunch no, when you drive. Unless you have not. one of those Teslas or the Cadillac system. Cadillac system is supposed to be better. Hi, Jimmy. What's How's up? How's it going? How was your week? <laughs> Since last week. Ooh. Right. Yeah. But all of our toaster lovers out there know what's really up with that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Toaster lovers. Yes. See, some people are like, what are you talking about? You, talking you don't about? know. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about don't, it. Don't worry about it. You obviously don't watch Facebook videos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yes. So in this episode, it's uh, yeah, talking about recording and about sound and stuff. And oh, I mean, yeah. obviously, obviously, me and you have done some, you know, stuff with sound. Couple recording. Things. Yeah, you know, we re- we've been known to record, you know, audio from time to time. Yeah. Um, but earlier on, like when we were kids, before we got into all this, yeah. Did you ever have fun recording stuff on your tape recorder? <laughs> I feel like you're you're setting something up. Um, definitely. Like, I used to carry around a little tape recorder just like that one. Well, not the big one that, like, you had in the beginning, but, like, the smaller one. Mm-hmm. Um, like, from the 80s, I used to have a tape recorder, and I used to record all kinds of shit all the time. I remember happened upon,ing like, an old tape that me and my sister, when we were little kids, used to, like... Talk and like make you know how kids do with yeah, tape yeah, recorders. Yeah. It's just fun stuff, or uh, yeah, or making like little mixtapes or yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I remember one time, um, me and Tack decided to take the the pillows and blankets off my bed and the cushions off the couch. Okay, and we had this tape recorder with a microphone. I think it was yours. It had a little tape recorder, kind of like um, like Peter has at the end of this. Um, and it had a microphone plugged into it, a little black one, a little short one. Okay. And we would bury each other underneath all these blankets and pillows and stuff from the couch. You don't remember any of this. No, I, well, it's starting to sound a little familiar, but. And then we would, like, one of us would get buried and the other one wouldn't. 
Okay. And then the person underneath everything had the microphone and they would like, hey, this is okay. what I'm seeing. This is what I'm feeling. And the other <laughs> the other one would like step on them and like throw shit at them and like make sounds and everything. And you'd be like, well, I kind of hear something going on. Like that's <laughs> And we just thought it was the coolest shit. And we would that. listen back like, oh, let's see what it was like for you. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of cool. Hmm. Um, but also we, we do a, it now. If you want to. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, we have a friend, uh, Ron, who's been on the show a couple of times. That thought it'd be a good idea to record fireworks on his little tape deck. Yep, yep, yep. So yeah, that's well, we talked about this before, I think. And then we have yeah. the cool feature about it was that you can play it back in slow motion. And so listening to the playback of fireworks going off and the people going, ooh, ah, and then just people talking in the background. Play like it back in slow- ooh, yeah, it sounds like uh, a bunch of zombies and like yeah. explosions and just this is awesome anyways um yeah the funnest part of recording yourself when you're teen and probably a lot of the people in the audience probably might have done this is on the tape deck you had the the tape recorder you had Mm -hmm. um if you half pressed the play button just a little tiny bit yeah it would play it faster no i'm sorry if you press play and then very slightly press the fast forward button Play would oh. still be engaged, and it would sound. Oh, like you could hear the audio of the. Yeah, and we yeah. just we thought it was funny. So. Yeah. So this this episode brought back some nostalgia when it came to, you know, fucking around with tape recorders mm-hmm. when you were kids and stuff like that. I remember being a real bitch one time in school because <laughs> because of a tape recorder. Because there was a day we were like doing fun stuff at school, so we were allowed to bring like radios or whatever to play okay. music, and so I brought my tape player, tape recorder. And uh, it was sitting on my desk all day. And then later I went back and somebody, you know, like you, the pause was like a toggle button. You push, it would stay down. You push again, it pops up, you know. Yeah. Well, somebody had pushed down my pause button. So it was down in the down position okay. when I wasn't at my desk. I reported it to the teacher. <laughs> Wait a minute. Why did you have it? What were you recording? It wasn't recording anything. It was just we were waiting for because that day we were all going outside and doing something fun. I don't know what it was, yeah. like a picnic day or something like that. This is elementary school. Uh, I think I'm going to guess like fourth grade, fifth grade. No, it was like fifth grade or something. And uh, and but somebody pushed. You didn't hear the importance. Somebody pushed pause on my tape recorder sitting on my desk. Somebody touched it. They probably saved your battery from dying. I don't know. It wasn't playing or anything. Oh. Just what does it matter? I doesn't. That's so stupid. Like, why <laughs> the hell would I report that to the teacher? Like, somebody touched it. And the teacher's like, did somebody touch that? You know, I'm like, I'm just like, who did it? I who thought did? you were saying, I thought it was like later on in the school, you were recording a lecture or something and somebody pressed pause. That was pretty fucked up. <laughs> but no. if it wasn't even playing or no, recording. No, it was just sitting there and somebody walked by and. Did you do it in front of the class in front of everybody? Like, excuse me, teacher, I, I'm going to raise my hand and, and okay, somebody, somebody press this. Like, <laughs> no, no, I was a shy kid. I brought, hey, can you, so like somebody like touched my thing and see the part, I didn't, somebody did that and, and she goes, okay, everybody did someone touch, you know, so dumb. Was it one of those things where your mom told you not let anybody touch it? And then somebody touched Maybe, it. Maybe, who knows? Panic, Maybe, I don't know. But like you were going to go home and be like, wait a minute. <laughs> this pause button has been touched by somebody other than you. What the fuck, Dad? <laughs> yeah. You so said dumb. you weren't going to let anybody touch it. Well, I told the danger. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. 
So yeah. Anyways, this this um, this episode brought up some nostalgia about playing with tape recorders and stuff like that. Yeah, I never. Sure. I know. I'm pretty. Yeah, I know for a fact that I recorded my sister. Um. Yeah. But that was that was later on when I was a teenager. I was <laughs> just to be She's, stupid. Yeah. But I never did. I was never an asshole like Peter. And you know, mm. telling people secrets and shit. Like yeah. I just. I would just kind of play it back for him. Be like, listen, what you sound like. Like I was fucking stupid. <laughs> I'm um, crying. My boyfriend cheated on me. Look how stupid you sound, Kelly. Well, you. It was a lot of like her in the room listening to music, singing along with it, and I mm-hmm. you know, like record. Be like, yeah, listen, what you sound. <laughs> She'd be there like <laughs> singing to Janet Jackson and shit. So control. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, unless you have anything else, we'll go ahead and take our first break. All right. Yeah, you know, because that took a lot of energy on me. Yeah. Um. So when we come back, we're gonna dive into this private ear. Mm-hmm. We'll be back. Are you easily offended? Because if you are, you should probably stop listening. Are you interested in the bizarre and unusual? Are you fascinated by the grisly sides of life? Are you the one that people call weirdo? Well then, you should get hip to Strange Brew Podcast, a podcast with a bunch of crazy Canucks. Tune in every week with Strange Brew's host, Tomcat, a.k.a. Tom Thompson. And Billy Kirby, along with many different guests. As we drink booze and we discuss anything strange and paranormal, from serial killers to aliens and all of the above. So crack those beers. And toss on those tinfoil hats because because it's it's about about to get strange. And we are back. We are back. Okay. We have the Brady Bunch season three, episode nine entitled the private ear. Hmm. Let's get into this. Some facts about the episode first aired November 12th, 1971 Hmm. written by Michael Morris directed by Hal Cooper. Hmm. According to IMDb, the tape recording of Greg does not match his original lines. Hmm. The phrase buckle down is missing. When he talks about Peter's performance in geometry. Yeah, I was going to listen for that, but then I was like, I couldn't remember what everything he said. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. But why is it never like the same? I understand they do different takes and all that, but like, I feel like they don't actually record when they do the takes. But then later they go, okay, now let's record it and do the playback. Well, that's like in Wayne's World. Go on. <laughs> when Wayne's World, when... Um, uh, um, what, I can't remember the guy's name. Um, Wayne? No, the the Garth. guy. Um, Rob Lowe? Yeah, Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe's character, when he's showing um, the video to Mr. Vanderhoff, whatever his name is. Um, you remember Mr. Vanderhoff, but you yeah, remember Rob yeah. Lowe? <laughs> Mike Myers uh, doesn't say the lines correct. Because in the original, he says, okay, he's going to put that thing on your, on your melon. Oh, right. yeah, 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 that's right. And then when they play it back, he's like, okay, he's going to put that thing on your melon. Like, yeah, wait yeah. a minute, you stuttered the first time. What the fuck? Yeah. So, that kind of bothered me. Wish they weren't liars. But I'm, I'm, I'm over it now. Yeah. So, okay. We fade in. Scene one. Mm. We see Marcia enter through the sliding door in the dining room. She walks through the living room and up the stairs with a goofy smile, as if she just climbed the ropes in gym class. Yeah. 
Wayne's Wayne's World. She stops halfway up the stairs before finally sprinting up the rest of the stairs, smiling. Hmm. Um, It's funny because you could tell the cameraman wasn't paying attention. (laughs) Why do you say that? She gets to the top of the stairs and it's almost like the cameraman thought she was going to stop at the top of the stairs. But she kept running. So the cameraman stops and hesitates and then like try like flinches to follow. (laughs) Just catch up. Yeah. So (laughs) I I never realized how cool their kitchen chairs looked. Because you get a clear shot into the kitchen from this. Okay. And the I didn't realize that the kitchen chairs were like all one piece molded backs. Yeah. And then they had the pedestal bottom coming out with the, the molded bottom legs and stuff. Huh. Like they look like almost like office chairs, but it's all molded out of fiberglass. It's really cool looking. Hmm. And then it has the orange cushions on it. I don't know. I just thought they were really interesting. Good. Scene two. Marsha runs into the girls' room where we see Jan sitting down doing homework. She puts her books down on the dresser as Jan says hi. She says hi back and crosses to Jan. She nervously begins to ask Jan to be honest, and does she see anything different about her? Jan notices Marsha has been on the wacky tabacky by saying her right eye is bloodshot. What? You didn't notice that? She's like, well, your right eye is bloodshot. She began stoned. She's on a <laughs> wacky tobacco. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh, yeah. uh, left handed Jan cigarette. fucking called that shit out too. She's like, "Yeah, you hungry too, bitch?" That's what she said. She they cut that part out by the best. She uh-huh. She's like, "You smoking a jazz cigarette?" <laughs> 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 that funny cabbage. <laughs> but Marcia steers her back, telling her to look at her expression. Jan still says no. To Marcia's relief, who thought the whole world could see it. Still not knowing what the fuck Marsha is talking about, Jan crosses over saying, well, let me look again. Marsha then asks Jan if she can keep a secret. <laughs> bitch, please, she can't keep a secret. I don't know if you wanted to say that or what. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I wrote down, bitch, please, you can't keep a secret. But for the sake of the show, we'll say she can. <laughs> Marsha, thinking exactly what we're thinking, tells her she has to give her solemn promise. Which she does. Marsha then announces that she's in love. Jan slowly sits onto the bed with a wow. After a dramatic pause and a change of tone, Jan asks, who is it this time? Damn. I thought that was such a funny, like, difference, like, dichotomy with Jan. She's like, wow. Like, like she's all, you know, into the love part, the romance part. Wow. Who was it this time? Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Marsha tells Jan that this time is different and that the others were just schoolgirl crushes. Mm-hmm. When Jan asks if there's a difference, Marsha crosses to the desk and asks if there's a difference between a shooting star and a firecracker. Jan then changes the subject, asking who it is. Marsha announces that it's Andrew Whitaker. Jan wastes no time asking if he's gorgeous, to which Marsha replies, he will be once his complexion clears up. I thought that shit was so funny. <laughs> well, he will be you know, when he stops getting. Well, she saw the potential in some of that. Yeah, that's kind of nice. Marsha is then overtaken with excitement as she grabs Jan's arms, saying how happy she is, but then quickly tells her that she's miserable. When Jan gets confused and asks how can she be both, Marsha tells her it's easy when you're in love. Jan tells her that she'd rather have the measles. Jan then decides she's going to go downstairs to get some milk. Marsha reminds her that she promised not to say anything, but Jan reassures her, telling her she couldn't explain it even if she wanted to. 
After the girls leave, the bathroom door opens and Peter sneaks out. He crosses to the bed and pulls out a tape recorder. He recorded everything the girls had just talked about and recorded it onto what looks like a reel-to-reel. Well, all tapes are reel-to-reel. Well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess by definition they are, yeah. But this one's a true reel-to-reel. Like, it's it doesn't take mm-hmm. cassette tapes. It's a true reel-to-reel. Well, it um, must be all internal then because you didn't see, like, the actual reels. Mm-hmm. No, I'll get into that later. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know what I meant, but I, but I put, how the fuck could the director miss that? I know what you meant. What did I mean? My note, I'm guessing, is because Panny oh, from shit, Jan. Oh, right. shit, No, you're right. That was in response to your <clears throat> note. Okay, go ahead. So, Jan sits down, and her panties, it's like a panty shop for, like, like the entire rest of the episode, yeah, yeah. the scene. Like, yeah. it was a really, really long time. <laughs> like, I don't know how you shop. felt about it, but, like, the father in me got really, really irritated at this. You know what well, I, mean? I saw it and I was like, oh, there's a panty shot. But then it just stayed the whole right. rest of the scene. Yeah. I was like, wow. The father in me got really pissed because I was thinking, you know, Caitlin's probably the same age Jan was, you know, Eve Plum was. And as a parent, if I saw this air and I saw like my daughter's fucking underwear yeah. on screen for like a full minute and a half, it would piss <laughs> yeah. me the fuck off. It was a long time. Yeah. Like that would, <laughs> that would really, really piss me off as a parent. A minute and a half is not an exaggeration. Like, I don't understand how the director fucking missed this. <clears throat> you can't. Yeah. She was wearing like a dark skirt and exactly. then white panties like yeah. right there. Yeah. So, that, that really bothered me. Um, It also looks like it was kind of neat because it looks like Jan's finally, you know, her fashion is evolving. So it looks like she finally I mean, cut underwear up. matched everything. So. Yeah. But it looked like she finally <laughs> cut up one of those fucking rodeo shirts to make that bow that she was wearing. <laughs> so that was kind of neat. Um, also, like I put on there, I've totally done this. I've totally fucked around with the recorders and recorded my sister. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scene three. We see Peter enter the family room. Upon entering, he smiles mischievously at first, then enters the room whistling. You know, because people do that. Hmm. He crosses the, to the couch to find Marsha laying on her stomach reading a book. She glances at him to see who it is, but Peter keeps staring. She finally realizes it and laughs, asking, What are you doing? To which he replies, Nothing. Marcia goes back to reading. Peter then pulls over a chair, sits down, and continues staring at Marcia. Hmm. Marcia, starting to giggle again, says, you're not just doing nothing, you're staring at me. Peter finally tells her that she looks different. Like she's happy and miserable at the same time. Hmm. Marcia starts to get suspicious and says, Peter, you know something. Hmm. Peter stands up and says, me? I don't know nothing. I don't know the difference between a shooting star and a rainbow. Marcia sits up, upset, saying, you do know. Peter plays dumb, asking, know what? As he walks away. Marcia immediately suspects that Jan said something and runs off yelling for Jan. Oh, man. So, like, when he was, like, staring at her, she was like, yeah. what? And he's like, nothing, just trying to see something. She's like, stop you. Like she was like yeah, totally. Yeah. She was totally she was it, yeah. loving the attention. Like, you stop. No, you stop. You know. I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that too. She's like, you're staring at me, silly goose. And then she like smacks him and their eyes meet and he like she like grabs his arm and like they kind of she get bites her lip and and she like starts pulling him in. He's like, Marcia, stop. I gotta go clean up in there. And she's yeah. like, You like something? You see something you like? <laughs> and Peter's like, What? You see something? 
I have to go. <laughs> it's like I'm reading this book, but I'd more rather read you. <laughs> I'd rather do some uh, <laughs> some lip reading, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. As um, um, Peter piped up lately. Hell yeah. Um, okay, this was like a really asshole thing for Peter to do. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this was this was really kind of a dickhead thing. Um, I mean, I know he's just a young kid. But this could cause some like, and again, I write my notes in in sequence of watching it, so I don't know at this point what's going to happen later on. Yeah, but this could really cause some serious issues in the house, like <laughs> because he obviously heard on the tape that he made Jan that she made Jan promise. Yeah, so that in and of itself, he knows how many problems. This isn't a joke at this point. This is him, you know, fucking with you know people getting pissed off at each other. Like that's kind of a dickhead thing to do. Yeah. So um, also. <clears throat> How much do you think that recorder costs? Ooh, this is fun. Mm-hmm. So, 1971 money, I'm guessing? Well, first off, the model is a Craig Model 212. Okay. Right? And hold on a second. Let me open my shit. This is from an actual advertisement for this model cassette player that came out in 1970. Okay. The Craig Model 212 two-speed portable tape recorder. This is the history-making portable whose performance has made it top-rated by consumers everywhere. Damn. Battery-operated, two-speed capstan drive with jam-proof T-control, single level for record, playback, fast-forward, and rewind. Automatic level control adjusts the recording level to sound to the sound of your voice for perfect recording every time Mm. the Craig 212 compares with tape recorders selling for three times this modest cost. Uh. (laughs) Ah. Just how, got me all hot. So in, in 1970 money, how much do you think this costs? Um, I don't know. 1970 money. So let's think about the last episode. Was the last episode where Greg wanted that? Yeah. Greg was looking at the amp, and he said it probably cost about 200 which the conversion was about 1200 And it is a, 12, uh, a real-to-real. A real-to-real. You're right. Um, that's the model. Um, so I'm going to guess in 1971 yes. money, probably around... 130 in 1970 money this cost 39 dollars and 95 cents what is that for 2021 money 269 dollars and 67 cents so i was way off yeah so yes i thought that'd be fun to that's cool yes okay and there's there's more to come oh as we get deeper into it so we get deeper 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 deeper. oh god oh jeez baby jesus sorry minnesota all right, scene four. We didn't say the name of it. I know. Okay, because you were apologizing. Like, I, well, didn't, I didn't say dick or anything. Well, we or did make balls. sex noises. Is that okay? Yeah, she just said stuff about, about body parts like dicks and balls and stuff. I didn't say anything dicks about dicks and balls, and balls and shafts and yeah, I didn't vaginas say about and, and lips and yeah. panty shots and taints. I didn't say anything about it. Did not. We can make all the sex noises we want. Scene four. Marsha busts into the kitchen where Jan is. And says, you told, Jan, you told. Jan, confused, asks, what did I tell? But Marsha, thinking she's playing dumb, simply says, you know what you told. Jan, realizing what Marsha is talking about, denies everything. Deny, deny, deny. Mm -hmm. Alice attempts to back her up, saying the only thing she opened her mouth for was to eat the cookies. But Marsha isn't buying it. When Jan asks who she thinks she told, Marsha gives her the old, you know who about you know what 
about you know whom, and now it'll be all over you know where. Jan insists that whoever it is didn't hear from her. Alice, who we all know is nosy as shit, finally suggests Marcia tell her so that they can try and work it out. But no dice. Marcia simply replies saying, if you can't trust your own sister, then you can't trust a fucking maid. <laughs> I thought you'd like, I wrote that just for you. <laughs> Jan, finally, <laughs> Jan, finally getting mad, says, look, Marcia, I told you I wasn't going to tell anyone, and I didn't. But this just adds fuel to the fire as Marcia replies, how can you look me straight in the eye and tell me an outright fib? Marcia then announces to Jan that this is the end of their sisterhood. Jan, devastated, yells back that she didn't tell and tries to follow Marcia. Alice brings over something to the stove where Carol has conveniently waited until the yelling was over to come in, asking what the yelling was about. You know her ass was in the fucking living room. She fucking heard that shit. <laughs> Alice tries to fill her in vaguely, saying they had a disagreement. But Carol probes deeper, deeper, asking about what? Alice tells her, it appears Marcia accused Jan of telling you-know-who about you-know-what, and now it's going to be all over you-know-where. Carol sarcastically answers, Alice, I want to thank you for cleaning that up for me. To which Alice answers, anytime. <laughs> Fucking Carol, man. Like, my notice bitch you should have been there like <laughs> you heard the fucking yelling like you know what i'm saying like why didn't if it was mike mike would have been fucking johnny on the spot with that shit <laughs> yeah. He'd be like hey hey hey, what is going on here but instead carol's like i'm gonna fucking wait and learn her. i'm gonna wait till the yelling said then what happened with all, with all the yelling <laughs> well mike obviously went home or else would have seen him plus exactly, yeah carol can't go to or have her go-to lineup mike do something exactly, yeah. um also, Jan's face was actually getting red during the argument. I don't know if you noticed that, but <laughs> she was like, she was digging down deep. Like, she must have gotten a, in a fight with Maureen McCormick that day or something. She was, <laughs> she was motivating. And um, also, uh, uh, Marsha herself actually looked pissed, too. So, I was, I was kind of impressed by this. Yeah. Wait till the uh, next episode. Yeah. They go at it again. Like that? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not no, like that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, scene five. But um, I had a note, too. Jimmy. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, it's fine. It's whatever. You know, okay. it, All right. it's fine. You know, scene five. No, okay. <laughs> no, I just said obviously shocking how Alice wants to know. Exactly. Tell yeah. me, tell me, tell me. I'm curious. And it's especially how like <laughs> how she tries. She's like, okay, girls, I have an idea. Why don't you tell me, <laughs> and, we'll and then I'll out. help you figure it out. Right. Like, you're so fucking nosy. And they but just with, look at her fucking maid. No. Well, even with Alice, you feel kind of bad for her because it's like. Okay, the only enjoyment she really gets is like listening to people's problems and stuff. It's it's not like she spends a whole lot of time cleaning the living room or anything. She's in the kitchen fucking all day, so <laughs> they don't have any you know TV or anything in the living room. So she can't watch soap operas, so her soap opera is kids' problems. So mm, good point. She's like, I don't, I don't want to have to wait till the next episode. I mean, I mean the next the argument. <laughs> okay, scene five. Peter enters the boys' room to find Greg fixing a clock. He walks up to him asking what he's doing. When Greg sarcastically answers, what does it look like I'm doing? Ooh. Peter tells him that he sure does sound edgy today. Mm. Greg explains that he's always edgy when people are breathing down his neck. Damn. Peter apologizes to Greg, telling him he can't inhale all the time. 
<laughs> Just then, Marsha arrives at the door asking if Greg wanted to see her. He says, yeah, and asks Pete to leave because it's private. Mm. Peter politely says, sure, explaining he knows when he's not wanted. You want to make out in the bed for a while? Yeah, right? Before leaving, Peter moves the door and starts to starts looking on the floor behind the bed. When Greg gets curious, asking what he's doing, Peter tells him that he dropped something and wants to pick it up. Finishing with, do you mind? Damn. Greg tells him to hurry up just as Peter presses record. He didn't really press record. It's, it's a twist knob. But anyways, mm. uh, press record um, on his recorder as he tells them to have a nice talk and exits. <laughs> Greg asks Marsha if she can keep a secret. Marsha answers, my word, unlike some people's, is as good as gold. He begins telling Marsha he's in a jam. And if mom and dad found out, he'd get a lecture that he probably deserves, but isn't in the mood for right now. He then begins telling her last year in English class, he had an assignment to read the Red Badge of Courage. He got it out of the library and read it, but forgot it. Marsha totally understands, saying, yeah, some books are like that. (laughs) They just don't stay with you. But Greg corrects her in telling her that he forgot to return the book to the library. Mm. Marsha, trying to understand, asks, so it's overdue. Greg tells her, yeah, by 40 weeks. Mm. Then tells her that it that the fine was like the national debt. Mm. She tries reassuring Greg, telling her that mom and dad won't be mad. Forgetting a library book could happen to anybody. Greg paces back and forth from the desk to the bed to the bunk beds and begins explaining that this is the third offense this term and would rather not ask for an advancement on his allowance. Hmm. He then tells Marsha if she could loan him enough money for lunch, he sure would appreciate it. Marsha hmm. tells Greg that she'll lend him the money as the camera pans down to see the microphone sticking out from underneath the bed. So Greg is like, look, we need to talk, you know, I got this book and then, you know, like I lost it and she's like, or she's like, I forgot it. She's like, no, it's cool. You know, books don't stay with you. It's fine. You know? And he's like, no, I'm a bad boy. I didn't turn that shit in. Damn right. It's overdue. Damn right. And then Marsha's panties just drop on the floor. Greg's like, you know what I say to rules? I say, fuck rules. (laughs) You see this shirt tucked in? Fuck no. Did I turn my library book in? Hell no. Yeah. Mom told me to wash my hands before dinner. I waited. Right. And then I washed them. Damn right. Mm. Um, It's so bad. I I will say on a more serious note that this is one of my biggest hopes is that my kids can go to each other like this when they're having trouble, like behind my back. Like, I, I mm. really genuinely hope that my kids would go to each other and be like, hey, I got a problem and I don't really want to go to mom and dad about it. I totally hope that they can do that someday. You know what I mean? Well, sure. But like, like my, the girls did that a lot, but then it got to be like serious shit. But then one, but of, I mean, the girls, I, one of the girls finally would be like, so you need to talk to your daughter. And like, about what? Um, Yeah. And then we'll just spill the beans. Well, like, see, I feel holy like, shit, are you fucking kidding me? I like, feel like no. that's kind of different because they're twins. And they can, like, yeah. don't they feel each other's pain and weird shit like that? Like, <laughs> they have their own language that they speak. Something like that, yeah. So, yeah, that's a little <laughs> bit different. Um, <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, so I think that's kind of awesome that they can do that. But um, 
Another thing is, was Hangtown a sponsor? Because Marsh is busting out the Hangtown shirt, too. That was the boyish looking shirt I've ever well, seen. Well, if that. you remember, a few episodes, Cindy had a Hangtown shirt on it, too. Yeah. I mean, it definitely looks like a 1970s skater shirt. Well, that sure company's or... still around. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just wondering if they were a sponsor, because this is the second Hangtown shirt we've seen. It's in a, a surfer episodes. shirt. But yeah. yeah. So. Um, also, uh, his book was 40 Weeks Overdue. Yeah. How much do you think that <laughs> would cost like me, that? Yeah. Do you know like the answer? Oh yeah, I did a deep dive. Why do you think I was up till four in the morning? <laughs> Why did, doing deep dives? How did yep. you know what the find was? Well, oh look at you! All right, here we go. They, they, we've agreed that they live in Los Angeles, correct? Yes. <laughs> so fucking stupid. No, this is awesome. I'm excited. So I went. <laughs> I wish I would have done this. I went on the LA, <laughs> LA Public Library website to That's, check on their fees. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, my God. <clears throat> so, the first thing I did was check their fees. Okay. And the way the LA Public Library is, they have a kid's um, library card and an adult library card. Right? Did you or, include Greg as a kid? Well, I did both because I wasn't sure okay. we consider him. But let's say we consider him a kid. Okay. Um, the library book fee in today's money. Yeah. Is fifteen cents a day as a late fee? Okay. Right? So in today's money, well, what? What? You, well, let's take a guess. What do you think it is in in nineteen seventy money? The fifteen cents? Yeah. Well, no, no, it wasn't fifteen cents. But what do you think the accumulated? No, I'm saying the conversion week, of fifteen yeah. cents. Yeah. What do you think? No, I'm talking about the okay, total. Just the, the total forty week due. Oh, well, his total amount yes, due. Yep. I don't know. First, I'd like to just hear what his daily one was, but um. Probably for 1971 money, right? Yes. I don't know. Probably like $25. $6.25. What <laughs> oh, shit? Yeah. In today's money, that's $42. Okay. So I would, for a high school kid, that's if, if he's considered a child because he's in high school, okay. that's expensive. If he's not in high school, okay, that amount doubles. $12? Yeah, so it's $12.50 um, okay. in, in 1971 money, $84. Jesus. In, uh, total. And that's according, assuming that they have the same scale roughly today mm -hmm. as they did back then. Damn. So you probably owe like six, somewhere between six and like 10 bucks, I'm guessing. I don't know. Well, it would be $12.50. Okay. Well, so, you're going by 15 cents per day? Yeah, going by it 15. probably wasn't 15%. Right, but that's going by what $84 would have been worth in 1970. Like, what, oh, what in 1970 would but be worth But it probably was cheaper today. than that, because Lavey is probably like, say, five cents a day. Okay. And then five times whatever. I don't know. Uh -huh. I'm not going to redo all your math, but still, we got an idea. Yeah. Um, so if he's considered an adult, which I think he should be, that $84 is a lot for a high school kid to come up with. Well, yeah. Well, even $42 <laughs> is a lot for a high school kid. $42 is more reasonable because that would, okay, he's going to have to go like a month without eating lunch. Like it's, <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. I thought that was fun. I mean, what is he like? He's a sophomore? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Was going to say if he's a senior, fuck it. Just fucking graduate. Don't worry about that shit. Right. Unless they're going to like hold his diploma up for That's it. Surprise me. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was cool. I like that. That was yeah, fun. And, and there's, one, there's one more to come. Oh, oh, later? Yeah. Okay, cool. Scene six. Peter and Greg are in the driveway playing basketball. P 
Peter suddenly asks Greg if he's read any good books lately. Greg, confused at the coincidence, asks why he brought that up all of a sudden. Peter tells him no reason and that he's just making conversation. He then continues asking, what about last year? Read any good books last year? Greg replies vaguely with an, I don't remember. Peter scolds Greg saying, what a good brother you are. You're supposed to set good example so I don't end up reading trash. Greg tries to end the conversation telling him to read War and Peace. But Peter suggests the red badge of courage, which makes Greg stop in mid-shot. He realizes what Peter said and gets serious, asking, what about the red badge of courage? Peter explains that it must be great, and that he went down the library and tried to get it, but it was out, and hadn't been returned in almost a year. Greg gets pissed and starts yelling for Marcia as Peter runs away smiling. Marcia comes walking over to the driveway asking, did you want me? <laughs> and Greg, fuming, answers, maybe for the last time in my life. Marcia, confused, asks what he means. But Greg lays into her, accusing her of telling Peter and telling her not to deny it. As this conversation goes on, Mike's car pulls into the driveway. Marcia denies telling Peter. So Greg immediately jumps to the conclusion that she told someone who told Peter. Greg tries logic, asking how he found out then. Marcia sarcastically answers that maybe he has ESP. Mike walks up, asking what the argument is about. Greg politely tells him that it's a private matter. Shockingly, Mike respects what Greg says, telling them to have a nice argument before he leaves. I was really surprised that Mike respected Greg enough to just say, all right, have a good argument. Well, we've seen him do that before. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Also, Peter's being a dick. <laughs> when he was running away smiling, I was like, I fucking hope he trips. Like, it's such a fucking <laughs> smug smile. Oh, God, it irritated me. I like how Marsha's trying to implant subliminal messages. You want me? You want me. <laughs> Scene seven. We are now in the master bedroom. We see Carol going through clothes as Mike walks in with a, hey, sweetheart, to which Carol replies, hi, honey. Mike then spots all the clothes and asks when the rummage sale starts. <laughs> Carol laughs and explains that she was checking her ski clothes for this weekend, but the moths beat her to it. Mike mm. tells her, then you can use a new ski thing. Guaranteed off limits to moths. Carol gets all excited because, you know, it's a gift. It's shiny. <laughs> she immediately poses with it in front of the mirror, telling Mike that it's lovely. Mike looks for a payback replying it'll be even lovelier when it's filled <laughs> shit damn mike then asks carol how her day is she tells mike the usual and that marcia and jan are still feuding mike starts putting two and two together saying how strange that is because marcia and greg were just fussing and feuding too hmm, hmm. mike smells bullshit yeah seeing her love that gift so much made me irritated <laughs> why I don't know. Just Carol just irritates just the fuck out of me. Just because she didn't deserve presents and shit. Exactly. Or? Yeah. Um, <laughs> also, on a side note, this is why people used to use or still use cedar chests and wardrobes. The cedar has oh, actual repels and moths. Yeah. I actually just learned that recently. Oh, okay. All right. Scene eight. Back down in the family room, Cindy and Bobby are now arguing in typical kid style, yelling, "You did, and I didn't." in each other's faces before being broken up by Greg, who enters through the kitchen door, asking what they're arguing about. 
Bobby is mad at Cindy for telling that he got called to the principal's office for chewing gum in class. What is up with these boys? Mm-hmm. They're going to be in prison before they're Seriously, 20. what the fuck, man? Greg Why tells they just do cocaine in class, too? <laughs> Greg tells Bobby that it's not exactly the crime of the century. But Bobby makes a point saying, still, a word is a word. Cindy insists again that she didn't say anything. Alice finally comes in asking if anyone is going to eat dinner. Peter finishes the argument by telling Cindy, if I wanted to tell you know who about you know what, I would have told you know who myself before leaving to eat dinner. Any huff. Alice takes this in for a moment before saying, it seems I've heard this song before. Mm. I love how nobody is putting two and two together yet. Like not really putting it together. Well, Mike kind of is. He kind of is. Yeah, that's true. And they said, not the crime of the century. Wait until you have an overdue library book. Mm-hmm. Then you'll have warrants from hall monitors before you know it. That's right. First library book, then hall monitors, and then quaaludes. That's how it starts, man. <laughs> Scene nine. We are now at the dinner table as we see an overhead shot showing the Brady family dinner. Roast beef, salad, rolls, and I believe potatoes. <laughs> Everyone appears quiet and irritated at each other. My gears, Mike's gears are starting to turn as he looks around, putting two and two together. Hmm. Carol looks around, giving people dirty looks before finally asking, what is this, a silent contest? Hmm. Oh, oh, Carol. Hmm. Mike cracks a dad joke saying, if silence is golden, this must be worth a fortune. Hmm. And in true dad fashion, he laughs at his own joke. That's fucking awesome. Carol follows suit with the fakest laugh I've ever seen. She's like, (laughs) when Mike and Carol see that nobody laughed, they glance at each other as if to say, this problem is more serious. Mike has finally had enough. He stops eating dinner, clinks his glass, stops everyone saying, okay, kids, that's it. You are now released from your vows of silence. I want to hear conversation and not about the weather. Okay. Marcia starts by saying she confided something in Jan and Jan told everybody. Jan answers saying, you accused me of being a stool pigeon. As Greg says, you can't trust anybody, dad. Bobby then speaks up saying it's pretty bad when your own sister rats on you. Cindy denies ratting him out as everyone begins to argue. Mm. Everyone that is, except for Peter, who is sitting there enjoying his dinner and the argument. Mm-hmm. Mike notices this, locks eyes with Carol, and without saying a word, tells her to look at Peter, which she does. Hmm. She sees exactly what Mike sees and begins to get suspicious. Hmm. Um, I I love how rude they are. Like Alice hmm. has to like Alice ain't nowhere to be found. Like she's got to eat in the fucking kitchen. Like <laughs> right. I know we've covered that before, but this overhead shot like really brings it home. Like look at this, <laughs> she's not in sight. Just look wanted how beautiful to, this table looks. Just wanted to show you that Alice is sitting in the fucking dinner table by herself, or in the kitchen table by herself. <laughs> like, um, She's probably on a break finally for a change. Yeah, right? I love the unspoken stuff between Mike and Carol. Um, yeah. Because I'm thinking when they filmed it, those probably would have been two separate shots. You know, because they're not going to put two cameras in the middle of the table and let them look at each other. It would have been one shot of Mike looking kind of past the camera mm. without Carol might have been in the background. I don't know. And then another shot with Carol doing the same thing. So to be able to pull that off on camera and have it look and make sense. Yeah. I thought they did a pretty good job. Nice. Mm. Yeah. I thought it'd be funny if like Mike is like, 
hey, check that out. Carol's like, what? Check that out. And Carrie's like, oh. And he's like, mm-hmm, you thinking what I'm thinking? And she's like, yeah. Good job, Peter. The only one not arguing. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. <laughs> and Mike's like, no, fucking God, you're dumb. Like, what? <laughs> you what? What? It would have been funny if, if, if <laughs> Carol would have pulled a Jimmy. Like, Carol. Carol. <laughs> what? Carol, look. What? What, Mike? <laughs> what? Are you pointing to Peter? What about Peter? What? He's eating. What? Leave him alone, Mike. He's eating. <laughs> He's the only one not arguing at this table. Good job, Peter. Oh, they love that overhead shot, though. They must have shown it. They really it. do. And yeah. they, this isn't the only time they've shown it. And that overhead shot is a little too wide. <laughs> like, you can almost see, like, where the lights shut off. It's like cut off. And, tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It must have been 30, 40 feet. They could have the easily air. just stood on the staircase and got a similar shot. I don't <laughs> yeah. know why they needed to be 38 feet off the ground, but. <laughs> it was crazy. Scene 10. We're now in the den. We see Mike shutting the door. Mm-mm. He then enters the room where we see Carol sitting in a chair. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm reading scene 10. Yeah? Why is it? Why are you reading it like it's a rap? Because it started off rhyming. I said scene oh, 10. Oh, I didn't We're know now that. in the den. We see Mike shutting the door. Oh. oh. Okay. All right. <clears throat> scene 10. We're now in the den. <laughs> we see Mike shutting the door. He then enters the room where we see Carol sitting in a chair. Anyway, next, <laughs> he enters the room where we see Carol sitting in a chair next to the typewriter and Bobby sitting at Mike's desk. Mike tells Peter, I bet you're wondering why we've invited you to the private caucus. Private caucus? That's what he says. Mm-hmm. Peter replies that it crossed his mind. Mike continuing this political theme tells Peter that there appears to be a leak in the Brady administration and that he seems to come across as Mr. Know-it-all. Mike then pauses before finally asking, any explanations? Peter thinks for a moment, finally admitting, gee, I didn't think it would turn out like this. Carol asks, you didn't think what would turn out like what? Peter finally admits that he kind of bugged the rooms with Dad's tape recorder. Mike, not believing what he's hearing, reacts, asking, You kind of what? Peter, why would you do a thing like that? And for the record, I only call your father those names in the bedroom. <laughs> you know that's that went through your head like, shit, shit, did he put this in our room? Oh, fuck. Peter admits that he only did it as a joke. Mike stresses the seriousness of what he did, asking, you think eavesdropping on people's private conversations is a joke? When Peter said he meant it to be, Mike tells him that it's very serious offense and that people can be sued for that. Peter begins to panic at this point, asking, You mean my own brothers and sisters are going to sue me? Carol tells him that since it's a first offense, they might settle for an apology. When Peter pauses, Mike raises his voice, saying, Immediately, as he raises his eyebrows, Peter slowly gets up and leaves the room. I think this this went about as well as it could have. Yeah. Um, but um, what the fuck made him think he could use his dad's recorder in the first place? You know what I mean? Like, I would be pit- If I had photography, well, I do have photography equipment. But if I came home and Caitlin, Caitlin had gotten some of my lights out and some of my camera equipment out and just brought it in a room and started, like, spying on Jake, I'd be fucking pissed. 
Like yeah. that's my shit I use for work. Don't touch that. Yeah. So that kind of weird. I'm surprised Mike wasn't more irritated that he's fucking around with his recorder. Hmm. Um, but also like, what if Mike would have had important stuff on the tape? Yeah. You know I mean, like what if he would have had notes or something for work that he really couldn't have erased? It's true. So I don't know. Peter didn't think, did he? He did not think. Mike and Carol had on the shiniest outfits I'd ever seen. <laughs> yeah. They looked like they were like spacesuits. <laughs> maybe they were. Maybe they're, oh, maybe they maybe were. they're aliens. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Okay, scene 11. Down in the family room, we see Peter saying he's sorry and admitting what he did was dumb and stupid. He goes on to admit that he really didn't mean any harm. He finishes the speech saying, I would appreciate it if you would just forgive me. Okay. Hmm. They all agree and forgive him just like that. Hmm. Jan even admits that it was kind of funny. Yeah. The fuck? Like, how the fuck was that funny? She argued with her sister. <laughs> Anyways, um, everyone gets up and leaves, but Greg and Marsha stay behind. Hmm. Greg is irritating, telling Marsha that Peter's getting away with murder. And that all he has to do is apologize. Hmm. Marsha completely agrees, asking, what kind of punishment is that? Greg reasons that Peter will probably do it again, to which Marsha agrees and that he'll probably be on Quaalude someday. <laughs> she doesn't say that, but she thinks yeah. it. He said didn't have overdue library books. Exactly, right? But when Marsha gives up, saying, there's nothing we can do about it, Greg gets an idea, saying, maybe there is. Mm. Give him a taste of his own medicine. Yeah. And he says, you know, he drags out stuff like that. Yeah, sounds cool. <laughs> Greg goes on to explain that if he loves hearing people's conversations on the tape recorder, let's give him something to listen to. Mm. Let's give him something to talk about. Give him something to talk yeah. about. Marsha begins to smile and nod with excitement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why in the hell would anybody forgive him? Like, why would, like, I, I understand what Marsha and Greg are saying, but why, like, first of all, how is it funny? Because they could have easily said something in an argument that you, that you kind of can't take back, you know? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, well, I have boobs and you don't. Like, they could have said something to really hurt somebody's feelings. Okay. Um. So, I mean, I don't. I don't know why they would have forgiven him that, but then again, I hold a grudge. My arms get tired from holding these right. grudges. That I hold, so. Right. Um, why wouldn't you forgive someone for that? I mean, he like he did, he did this right, and then he came to you and said, "Look, I'm sorry. That was stupid. It was childish, and it, it caused problems, and I shouldn't have done it. So, and it won't happen again. Like you're, you're just going to be like, I don't fucking believe you can get out of my face. Well, not not necessarily, but I think, I think. Uh, Mike and Carol kind of took the easy way out. I think they should have been down there too to kind of oversee the apology. It seemed like it went okay. And I think, I also think that he should at least have to maybe for a couple of weeks do some of their chores, you know, clean their rooms or something like as punishment. Well, they were forgiving. They were like, it's cool, bro. In fact, it was kind of funny. No, it's all good. They could have been like, yeah, but oh, uh, maybe you kind of owe us something there, but yeah, but what was, what was their other option? To say, I don't know, yeah, maybe. True, yeah. I just, I think they're, and I know it would have ruined the storyline if they would have <laughs> been harder on them. Right. I just, I think they could have, no. I got you. So anyways, this is where we take our next break. All right. Yes. So Peter has pulled a prank, which resulted <laughs> in his siblings arguing and possibly saying things that they could not, could not take back. And yet he seems to have gotten off scot-free. 
Will mm. Greg and Marsha teach him a lesson? Mm-hmm. We'll be back. Hey guys, if you love a very Brady podcast, then go online and check out the T Public merch store. They got everything in there. They got t-shirts, coffee mugs, uh, hoodies, stickers, magnets, uh, pillows, and there's so many different t-shirt designs to choose from, from tanks to v-necks. If you want it, they got it. So go on there, check it out, order a t-shirt today or a magnet or a sticker. If not for yourself, get one for that Brady Bunch fan in your life. And guys, let me tell you, I ordered a couple of t-shirts to come in so I can check out the quality myself. And I got to tell you, I'm quite impressed. And I'm a bit of a t-shirt snob. It's got to be just right, the right thinness of material. Pretty similar to like like t-shirts that you get like at Target. Very thin, very comfortable material. These guys over at Public definitely know what they're doing. And you want to talk about t-shirt colors? Of course, I only wear black all the time because it's slimming. But you can get pretty much any color under the sun. So go online to the Public merch store. The link is in the description of this episode. And always remember, have a sunshine day. And we are back. You dig? You dig? That's just a fun voice. <laughs> that really is a fun voice. Um, so we both have talked about this in the past. We both have siblings, right? Uh huh. I have brothers and sisters. You have sisters. Yep. Right. Um, because I can respect women. That's why God gave you sisters. No, because oh. I have sisters, I respect women. Oh, I see what you're saying. And I grew um, up with my mother. I mean, I've told you about some, you know, I never had to do dishes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> go ahead. I've told you about some knockdown drag out fights I've had with my sister. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you have always <laughs> claimed that you didn't really argue with your sisters. Right. Not that much anyways. Yeah. Not. Yeah. What's the worst argument that you can think of with one of your sisters? Well, I got two. Okay. So one was you, with. Do you feel? I was going to say, do you feel comfortable saying which sister? Yeah, <laughs> they don't listen to this. Yeah, go yeah ahead. they don't listen. To this. No, my favorite sister. No, I knew you were looking for that one. No, um, my younger, because I'm there. I have four sisters, five of us, so I'm number fourth youngest. Okay, so I have the one sister that's younger than me. Um, me and her, when we were little kids, used to get into. Some sort of physical altercations, but it wasn't like fighting, like punching. It would be like we'd argue, and then she'd—I'd be sitting on the couch, and she'd come up behind me and like pull my hair back or something, and then I'd be like, "Ah!" Or I would do it to her, and then you know, just stuff like that. And then where we get in trouble and stuff like that. You know, that was really bad. I don't even remember why. It was just dumb stuff. But and then my sister Echo, her and I had a falling out. And didn't speak for like a year and a half. Damn. Is that as children? No. As adults. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that really sucked. And then we got back in contact with each other. And then we had a long talking. There was crying involved. But we made up, obviously. But we never like physically fought or anything. 
Hmm. But yeah. Yeah. The falling out was kind of dumb. I'm not going to go into details, but I don't know. Just things that were said that shouldn't have been said. And I was kind of stuck in the middle. So. Hmm. Okay. Um, what's funny is the sister you were talking about the first time. Yep. I almost had a physical altercation with her too. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Listen to the violent kind though, was it? No, 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 no. We were at a wedding <laughs> where I, we were both in, in tax wedding and um, I got paired up, so to speak with her. Right. Now, the groomsmen and the bridesmaids. Right. Yeah. And uh, no, I wasn't a groomsman. I was the best man. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I've never been a best man at a wedding yet. And but. she was a bridesmaid. And um, the reason we got paired up together is because literally everybody else in the wedding party were couples. Yeah. And so we're we're all paired up, so to speak, for pictures, right? Yep. And the photographer's like, okay, I'm going to rearrange everybody and I want you to stand next to your partner. Yep. So we just kind of stand next to each other because we're the only ones left. <laughs> right. And he's like, okay, so, and he takes a couple pictures. He's like, okay, and just everybody get a little bit close to your partner. So we're like, okay. So we kind of stand, okay, and everybody just kind of, you know, put your arms around each other. You know what I'm saying? Like, get closer because you're taking pictures. And we're like, okay. Okay, now I want everybody just, maybe just kind of like cheat towards each other, just kind of turn to each other. And we're just like, okay. <laughs> and then he buzzed out with, okay, now everybody, I want you to lean in and kiss your partner. And we <laughs> And what's funny is both me and her are thinking the same thing. We're thinking, I don't want to fuck up the pictures. And so like both of us almost simultaneously look at each other and we both almost did like a, like a lean in, like really quick. And we're like, wait a minute, no, what? And we look back at the, and he was snapping pictures. And I know if the, if he ever gave you the pictures, the pictures are probably us looking at each other like, huh? And then looking at the camera like, what? So we joked around about that for a while because we almost, we almost made out. So. And what's funny about it is like Megan was there. Her husband was there. Uh, Il- Alam, Elam, Elam. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was there. Megan was there. And right, right. <laughs> it was just kind of funny. Good memory, by the way. Remember yeah, right, her yeah. husband's name? Say, well, uh, I had to remember his name. He's gonna kick my ass. Exactly. Yeah, he yeah. was like six, seven, and like well, it's such a unique name. Such a unique name. I couldn't. Yeah, <laughs> Elam um, Raja Guru. Wow, nice. Is that her last name now? Well, she does the hyphenated stuff. That's a long weird. name. I <laughs> know. I was like, don't hi- <laughs> don't make it worse. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, because um, her original her main name was Thompson. Thompson, yeah. Wow. Jennifer Thompson hyphen Rajaguru. I told you that like you didn't know. <laughs> oh, I just yeah, realized that's I right. that. Is it? To, okay. Well, what was my sister's main name? <laughs> <laughs> right. That's funny. Well, this is kind of funny. This reminded me of something from a TV show. This it just because you're plus you do wedding photography. Mm-hmm. I thought you might think it was just funny, or if maybe it's an old photographer's trick. I don't know, but if not, maybe you can use it in the future. Mm-hmm. So in the office, <laughs> there's an episode of a wedding. One of the people the officer was getting married, and Steve Carell was there at the wedding, invited to the wedding just as a guest. Mm-hmm. But he thinks a little bit differently than other people, so he thinks, well, he's, you know, you have like the best man, you have this and that, but then you also have father of the bride, then you also have boss of the bride who should okay. have a part in the wedding as well, all right, all right. right? So he thinks he's like an important part of this wedding. Right. And he should be a part of it, which he's not. He's just a guest and that's it. So they're like out back taking pictures, like with all like the bridesmaids and, the, you know, the the bride and the bridesmaids, the bride and the grooms and the bride. And he's all like, and like the mother-in-laws and like, he's all trying to get these pictures standing behind there. And the photographer knows like, he's getting frustrated. So mm-hmm. his tactic is, okay, everybody out, let me get one with just the bride and the mom. 
So everybody steps out of the shot. He goes, you know what? Actually, let me get the groomsmen to come back in and the bridesmaids to come back in. <laughs> and just leaves him out of the there side. Go, yeah. I was like, that's pretty fucking brilliant. <laughs> I, I do it the opposite. What I do is I tell them, okay, every, anybody and everybody that wants to be in a picture with the bride and groom, I need you to come into the shot right now. This is for everybody. Yeah. And so I, and it's literally, usually it's everybody at the wedding because <laughs> right. people don't want to be assholes and be like, I don't want my fucking picture with them. So it's literally everybody. we have to. Exactly. We're yeah. like dicks. For none, they'll know we're dicks because we're not in the picture. Yeah. So then what I do is I say, okay, everybody that's not family or in the wedding, I need you to leave. <laughs> and then usually at that point, the bride or somebody be like, well, wait a minute. I need so-and-so to stay because they're a friend of the family or whatever. That, that always right. happens, right? Everybody leaves and I tell everybody, you guys can go to the reception hall. We'll be there when we're done. So then everybody's gone because you don't want people with their fucking little handy cams, you know, like right. pictures and shit. <laughs> um, and then what I do is I narrow it down from there. The first thing I do is I always get the bride stuff out of the way quickly. And anyway, I'm not going to go into the whole thing. Right. But um, <laughs> gotcha. uh, one thing I, uh, one tactic I use for uh, tactic <laughs> uh, that I use for um, engagement photography. Yeah. Is I always have several places lined up, but I always have like my moneymaker shot in my head. The shot that I really want to get. It's a really nice area. Right. And I usually pick like three areas as I'm going from area two to three, which is the last one that like the money-making shot. Mm. I start asking him questions. Like, you get a shot of that. I'm yeah. Right. Yeah, it's, it's weird. weird. Yeah. Um, seems awkward. <laughs> we have to watch camera. So, you know, ones get dirty, <laughs> but, um, I'll ask him things like, so how did you guys meet? Like, what, what did you guys like? What made you first start talking to each other? And it gets him in that fucking lovey dovey mood. Right. You know what I mean, like that. And then, so by the time we get to the area that I was looking forward to, they're in that cutesy lovey-dovey mood. They want to look in each other's eyes and kiss each other, be all close and shit. Mm-hmm. And it makes the pictures come out better. Yeah. So it's a little bit of manipulation, but the pictures come out good. I had to do uh, engagement photos one time, and that's the same thing that she did, too. Exactly. So, Wendy, where'd you guys meet? Yep, exactly. Yep. Some photographers will go out um, as far as to get wine and stuff like that and, and give you, like, wine glasses and wine and stuff for the last shot. And she'll have it, he or she will have it preset. For the last yeah, two and stuff, I don't do that. <laughs> but anyway, good photographer, you do that. I don't do that. I don't do that. <laughs> when we left off, all right. Peter pulled a wicked prank, yeah, but in the end, Peter pulled. Peter pulled. <laughs> Peter pulled a wicked prank, but in the end, it caused all his siblings to get into huge arguments. And now Greg and Marcia have decided to become vigilantes and teach Peter a lesson. <laughs> Let's get back into this. All right, scene 12. We're now up in the girls' room. Greg and Marcia come in carrying the tape recorder. They sit down in a hurry as Greg says, let's give that private ear something he'll really enjoy listening to. Marcia begins to unbutton her shirt. Oh, no. (laughs) Greg confirms that Marcia knows what to say. Marcia does and also admits that she would love to see Peter's face when he finally hears this. They start with Greg saying... I'll be Greg and it'll be Marsha. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Boy, that Peter is a lucky son of a gun. Isn't he, Marsha? Whatever do you mean, Gregory? Greg stops the recording asking, what is this Gregory stuff? Marsha confused says, that's what I was supposed to say. Greg agrees, but instructs her not to say it like the Queen of England. They begin again. Boy, that Peter sure is lucky son of a gun, isn't he, Marsha? What do you mean, Greg? I mean, Mom and Dad throwing Peter a surprise party? Are they really going to? Sure, and he deserves it. Peter has been failing geometry all year, and he buckles down and gets an A. 
Mom and Dad are so proud they had to do something for him. We should, too. Are you going to get him a present? I sure am, Marcia. Something special, too. We should all get him presents. I just hope he doesn't find out. Not a chance. Mom and Dad have it worked out great. They're going to pretend to drive away on their skiing trip Friday, but they're really going to come back for the party. Gee, that's terrific. Boy, will Peter be surprised. He's so funny, Kuntal. <laughs> he sure will. Have you tried safe laundry detergent? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Greg presses stop as him and Marcia smile and nod in excitement. So my note, again, I, I, I write these in sequence, but my, my note is, let me guess, Greg and Marcia will somehow get in more trouble than Peter did? <laughs> um, somehow Carol will be pissed at Greg and Peter and not Marshall that was my other note <laughs> possibly yeah. yeah so what I didn't like is that they took the mic and talked into the mic when they yeah, exactly. recorded that right. and it went back and forth whereas before the mic was like several feet away and like under a bed true but so, also well go ahead sorry well I'm just saying so like if he listens back it's gonna be like and they obviously recorded it like you know like using the microphone because he can tell just by hearing it. True. But if we go back to the original sale ad. Oh, God. All right. Because um, all that's going to be true. Exactly. Yeah. Um, automatic level control. Adjust the record level to the sound of your voice for perfect recording every time tech. It's right here in black and white. <laughs> So, oh, nice okay. try there, conspiracy theorist. <laughs> <laughs> Scene 13. Hmm. Greg walks into the boys' room carrying the recorder. He puts on his manliest voice and in a loud voice asks, Okay, Mr. Big Ears, what's the big idea? Peter's confused and sits up with a, huh? <laughs> Greg asks Peter if he's learned his lesson yet. Tells Peter that Marcia found the tape recorder under her bed and that it was going. Peter obviously denies putting it there, but Greg, of course, doesn't buy it. Instead, he gives it to Peter and tells him to put it back. Mm. He also warns him that he better not catch him using it again before exiting the room. As he leaves, Peter yells, You sure aren't the forgiving type, are you? <laughs> Peter jumps down from the bed, stares at the tape recorder, wondering out loud, what was all that about? He thinks for a moment, walks over and closes the door and listens to the tape. As Peter listens, he releases a, wow. Oh, we cut to Greg outside the door, hearing the recording going off. Greg is thrilled as he turns and gives Marsha an okay sign with his hands. And then oh. he puts his finger through it. It's really strange. <laughs> um, good. Uh, so like, He's like, here, you take your tape recorder and you better not be using that. And he presses play and it's all queued up to the yeah. exact moment. Because mm -hmm. you hear it like click on record and then they start talking. But even though Greg literally just said that it was running for a while before they started yeah. talking. <laughs> and But yet it's all queued up and ready to go as soon as he hits play. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. You'd yeah. think he'd be on to it, but I guess Peter's not very bright. <laughs> um. Why would he listen to it? Like to see what was recorded because he's nosy. Yeah, but I mean, if it was me, I would have been too afraid to. I would have just put it. I would just put it back. I would have been like, "Fuck it, I don't even want to know what's on it." I would have just put it back. Yeah, but I was, you know, that's. You know. Um, what if he hadn't have listened to it and Mike heard it? Mike would be like, "What the fuck?" 
<laughs> Why is this shit on my tape recorder? What are you fucking talking about? <laughs> Scene 14. Down in the kitchen, we see Peter sitting at the table and attempting to peel potatoes, with Alice looking at him strangely. Peter finally asks Alice why she's looking at him kind of funny. And is he doing it wrong? Alice tells him it's not so much how he's doing it, more like why you're doing it. Peter tells Alice that he feels like one person should help another person whenever he can. That's all. Peter then launches into a story explaining that he loaned his baseball mitt to a friend who didn't have one. And now he doesn't have one himself. He finishes it by saying he sure could use a new baseball mitt. Alice simply stares at him strangely. Just then, Carol comes walking in, looking like a mullet-wearing ski bunny with dark red pants and a white fluffy jacket with a fur hoodie. She announces herself in the kitchen with a, Hi, everybody, before going to Alice, doing a spin, and asking, Well, Alice, what do you think? Alice replies to her boss's question with a, If you're not crowned Snow Queen, Mrs. Brady, the fix is in. What? That's what she says. Okay. Carol, of course, laughs at the empty compliment. Peter uncharacteristically compliments Carol by saying, you look terrific, Mom. Carol sounds surprised, saying, well, thank you very much. Peter continues his ruse, saying, I hope you have a great time at the ski lodge, then giggles. Carol finds this strange, asking what's so funny, but Peter denies anything, saying, nothing. Carol goes back to talking to Alice. Of course, looking for more compliments, saying how surprised she is that her pants don't fit. Alice, of course, sees the setup her boss has left and answers appropriately, saying, Well, you watch your figure, Mrs. Brady. Carol simply agrees, and Alice says, And I'll watch it, too. Mm-hmm. No. Alice continues, saying, I've watched mine, too. It's done some things that have shocked me. Peter pipes up, saying, My problem is I'm still growing. Like last year, my feet were too small for cowboy boots. Now they're just right, especially for brown cowboy boots. And before Carol and Alice can react, Peter says he better be moseying along and leaves, leaving Carol and Alice just staring with looks as if they smell fart. Not they my, did. Like, <laughs> not my choice of words. But <laughs> they did. Like, they're sitting there like, like they look like somebody just farted. Smell the fart acting there you go. from friends. Carol finally breaks the silence, saying, brown cowboy boots. I know a hint when I hear one. Alice corrects Carol, telling her he's also shy one baseball mitt. Um, (laughs) This outfit didn't look as stupid as I thought it would. Uh, Carol's? Yeah, but it still looks stupid. No, the jacket looked cute on her, I thought. Um, (laughs) I love how the two of them just pick up on him throwing hints. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know he's laying it on pretty quick, but both of them just like, it's so painfully obvious to the two of them. They're just like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's throwing some pretty thick hints. Yeah. Women um, know about hints because they, they do, do right? hints yeah. all the yeah. time. Which you love. Like, and ladies, if you ever really <laughs> want to get on tax good side, you just got to hint to them. God, I hate hints. Um, and women love to do them, but yet when he's doing their, they're like, fucking hints man well what women like to do and sorry women but this is true you like to toss hints like yeah yeah i sure you know wish you know somebody i wish they would bring me flowers like on that tv show or not maybe that not that i was not be like, that obvious is that nice they got flowers at at the, oh man i like those flowers those are nice okay in your mind you think that's a hint 
It's not. It's not a hint. <laughs> you like those flowers. That's yeah. It. That's Guys, don't pick up on it. Nope. And because you decided to use a shitty hint. <laughs> yeah. Your, uh, according to all your friends, your boyfriend is a fucking idiot because he never does anything for you. When really, it's because you don't come out and ask. You know, this is wonderful because most of our audiences are women. Right. We should have been doing this all along. <laughs> yes. So you want our you want our viewers to go down is what you're saying. No, no, no. We should be telling women like what guys really think. You know, our, well, how, not really. We well, let me let me back up. Let me rephrase. Don't this. give hints. Like if you want your husband or your boyfriend to send you flowers or girlfriend, whatever, then just say, "Hey, would you ever send flowers to me at work?" You know, say, "Well, I never really thought about because I think that'd be awesome." Right. Just right. say that. That's perfect. Beautiful. Yeah. And guys. I'm I'm gonna clue the ladies in on something. Guys are pretty dumb. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you could go to your boyfriend or husband or you know wife, girlfriend, whatever. Fling, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> side side piece. Side yeah. Um, you could go to them and be like, you know, it would be so awesome to get flowers. And just that. And your boyfriend or your significant other is gonna think Holy shit, I should be the one to give him to her. Like, she just said that it would be awesome. You know what? I'm going to stop on the way home from work tomorrow and get her flowers. Like, because she said she wants to get them. And your boyfriend's going to think that he, like, put two and two together when really you legit, like, asked for flowers. (laughs) But you're approving hints. Even though that's that's not a hint. That's a very thick hint. That's that's, in my opinion, that's not a hint. I gotcha. But it kind of is, but not really. But, but yeah. But by saying that you you like something when you're out in public and like, I really like that sweater. That's not a hint. So don't expect you're well, going to get that for well, like see, a gift or something. Well, there's another element to all this that I think a lot of the ladies are forgetting. Okay. Or not realizing. I shouldn't say forgetting. Realize, not realizing. Yeah. If my wife was to say, oh man, sure wish I got some flowers. Okay. You know how many fucking different kinds of flowers are? I don't know <laughs> right. what the fuck kind of flowers to buy. Are you kidding? You don't know what your wife's favorite flowers are? No. But I mean, like, what if I get the wrong ones? What if I get ones that she's allergic to or she don't like? You don't like how it long would, have you been with her? It would make more sense if she got her own flowers because then I won't get the wrong ones. Right? <laughs> if you're walking around the mall with your wife or girlfriend and she goes, Oh, that sweater's lovely. I would really like that sweater. Mm. Really? You know what size sweater your wife wears? No. Nope. You know how it fit? Well, I don't have a Exactly. Wife, so no. why would you spend that much money on a sweater only to get her the wrong size and either A make her feel bad and be like, oh, <laughs> Oh, you think I'm this big? You, you or, fuck up both ways. Or you're going to get, oh, this is too small. Oh, so obviously I've gained weight since you right, bought this one. Right. So you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Right. There's a lot of instances <laughs> where you're better off just buying it yourself. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to get guys off the hook. And this is how guys think. Guys aren't going to go out on a limb and buy flowers or... um clothes or anything um, unless they're 99% sure that it's going to fit and that it's the right one. Right. I, I bought significant others clothes before because I knew that mostly shirts and hoodies and you know, shit like that, that you know their size for. Yeah, but that's not, I mean, and it, it, that's, I wouldn't, I would doubt, I'd be surprised if you bought them feminine clothes. They were probably just like. I bought them shit that I knew uni- they liked. Yeah, unisex shirts, unisex Pretty much, hoodies. Because I wouldn't, I knew what they, when I was with Nikki, she was all about like Volcom and uh, right, right, what's right. that one with the Roxy, Roxy, you know, shit like that. Um, anything like that, surfer, skater wear, t-shirts or hoodies. You ever or, bought her shoes? Um, no. Exactly. 
<laughs> well, that doesn't mean nothing. I was going to buy my last girlfriend, Holly. I was going to buy her a pair of shoes, but she told me the size. Um, yeah, but shoes fit differently on a different woman. I don't know. Because I told her, I was like, you know, I think these kind of shoes are awesome for girls. I was talking about Chuck Taylors. Chicks and Chucks are just, it's somebody turns me on. I don't know what it is. Mm. And Holly was like, but I don't really like close-toed shoes. And I'm like, but it's such a hot look. And she was like, and she, I was like, try mine on. See what you think. So she's wearing them. She's this. All right, fine. Size seven or whatever. Like that. Mm. And I was like, yes. But I never got around to it. Mm. But anyway, um, but I, you don't know your wife's favorite flowers? No, I mean, I've gotten her roses and stuff like that. But I usually, if I do, like, ironically, I just bought my flower, my wife flowers like last week. All right. Um, I just got what I thought looked cool. Like I, I have I, no idea it's what kind of a, I'm not saying it's an important thing to know, but like out of my last few girlfriends, I could tell you flower preferences out of all yeah. of them. Like uh, with my son's mom, my kid's mom, she liked carnations. Okay. She wasn't a rose person. You mean Did like the instant a, breakfast? Yeah. She wanted okay. instant breakfast I uh-huh. with the powder. <laughs> and she didn't like roses. She hated roses. Um, with my girlfriend Holly, well, that's she like that's because you don't love roses in an instant. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> right. yeah. My girlfriend Holly, she preferred wildflowers. Okay, so I always had to get her wildflower bouquets and stuff like okay. that. So I just, you know, it was something I just I picked up along the way. Just well, with like girls. with my wife, um, like I'll I'll buy her things that I know without a doubt she's gonna like. Like, yeah, I don't know, food. <laughs> Like, if it's a certain kind of food, like, hey, I went ahead and got you strawberries. Like, oh, how'd you know I wanted strawberries? Well, they're in season. But yeah, that's whatever. not a gift for, to them. Sure it is. Women, what do you think? Please hit, hit us back up. Well, like, curious. another thing that I do with my wife is I highly encourage her to buy stuff herself. And I know yeah. that I know people are thinking I'm copping out. I know they are. But, <laughs> um, like, I'll, I have to encourage my wife to buy stuff to the point where I have to, like, we have discussions about it. And we sit there online and she shows me stuff. And I'm like, oh, that looks cool. So, we're kind of doing it together. I'm involved with it. Mm. I'm kind of like, you know, if your boyfriend or your fiance was to help you plan a wedding or help you look for houses or help you decorate the house, that style is what I do with my wife buying something. Mm. Because, I mean, my wife, will, if my wife was on the podcast now, she would flat out tell you, yeah, I would rather, <laughs> I'd rather buy it myself because he... Doesn't well, really you, truly know. Yeah, unless you fuck up and you get her the wrong thing. Or I have. I've I've gotten her yeah. shitty Christmas gifts that she didn't like. So we've learned. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's just make it a a, a a a team thing and let's make it an activity to buy Megan something together. Gotcha. So that's all. Anyways, that's that was a I mean. really long explanation. I, know, I don't even know how we got here. So. <laughs> but but anyway, yeah, let us ladies let us know like <laughs> who's right, not who's right, who's wrong. But make sure you understand about the hint thing. Uh, flowers that important. You know, all that stuff. Just hit us up at uh, verybradypodcast.com. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go there and go to the contact page, or you can just hit us up at... Like, if if you have the right kind of relationship, just ask, like, hey, would you want to buy me flowers? Like, Yeah. Don't, there's, not, there's nothing wrong with don't that. Don't pass hands. Just no. straight up tell them what you want, and that's it. Just like, I would really, really love some flowers. Like, next time you go, if you're stopping anywhere, if you want to get me something, that's a good way to word it. If you're going to get me something, yeah. I love roses. Beautiful. Also, it can go with work, too. Right. Is there any way you can get the kitchen clean tomorrow while I'm at work? Yep. yep. That's it. There you go. Don't expect it to get done. Thing. It's like with your kids. Don't expect them to just do it on their own. Because right. not- I do. I live alone, but I have to. But anyway. Yeah. So, anyways. I don't know how we got here. I don't even know where we were. Scene 15. Oh, my, <laughs> my note was cowboy boots. Like, Peter didn't seem like the type that would be interested in cowboy boots. He didn't wear them in the Grand Canyon. I think uh, Jan right. did. <laughs> 
<laughs> she was ready to go to that fucking rodeo. But. Okay. Yeah, now we are at 15. Scene 15. In the den, we see Mike typing away at his typewriter. He pushes the carriage return lever to start a new line, and after a few strokes, the carriage tabs to the end of the row again. Damn, look at you knowing pieces and parts. I was going to say, anybody that took typing knows all that. Well, I took typing, but... Do you take computer or typing? Typing on an electric typewriter. Okay. Well. Mike mutters, well, what's the matter with this thing? He tries a couple of times before turning the typewriter sideways and begins taking it apart. Peter walks in saying that he has completed waxing Mike's car and asks if, there, asks if there's anything else he can do. Mike obviously never asked him to wax his car and asks, uh, how come? Peter comes up with a story explaining how all the pollution in the air really messes up the, the paint. And tells Mike if there's nothing else, he'll mow the lawn. <laughs> but Mike corrects him, telling him it's nighttime and that the grass hasn't grown much since this afternoon. Or, I'm sorry, since this morning. He tells Peter he's ambitious this morning and waits for a response. Peter takes the opportunity, saying he's just in a working mood and asks Mike if he needs a hand with the typewriter. Mike tells him that he thinks the typewriter has had it and that the carriage is in its last stages of rigor mortis and that the tab key isn't too well either. Hmm. Peter drops a hint on Mike, telling him how neat it would be to have, his new, to have a new typewriter and tells him that if he had one, everyone in the house could use it. He gushes about how useful a typewriter would be for him. Setting off Mike's bullshit detector, <laughs> Mike simply turns to him and stares. How many typewriters does this family have? Well, let's see. Alice has one. I think um, Carol has one, but Mike has to set it up for her. Um, and then Mike has one. one so that, at least three. At least three. But the one that when she was writing that story, that was Mike's. So it was this one. I think it was that one. And remember, Carol had that slim, like, sexy red one. Yeah, and, she did. Yeah, yeah. And then I think you said, like, yeah, Alice well, was that one. Carol's or was that Alice's? I thought it was Alice's. No, it was Carol's. Was okay. And I want to say we have another one that the kids use. Yeah. That's, what that's I all of the kids. Right. I don't know. Um, but also, um, um, what I wrote was, um, first of all, I hated using a typewriter. I've had to use one of these before. I freaking hated the, it. The old analog ones? Well, I had to use an analog one, you know, for school and stuff like that. But I had a job where I had to use a typewriter. Granted, it was electric. But I had a job where... Woogie, woogie. Huh? Sorry. <laughs> Nothing um, I had a job where I had to use a typewriter because we used carbon paper. I worked at an insurance company. And... Um, yeah, they suck, dude. It's awful. I've never had to use an analog one, but I remember the old uh, electric ones. Yeah. And just in the class, it's all you hear is white noise. That's with the, um, um, what do they call it? The, the ball. Oh, <laughs> the yeah, yeah, yeah. What do they call it? Spinning ball. I have no idea. I don't know pieces and part names, but. That's going to bug the shit out of me now. <laughs> Um, but anyways, they had electric typewriters back then. Why didn't they have an electric one? Why are they dealing with a mechanical one? Mm-hmm. Easier. Anyways, um, also, I would not trust that child waxing my car. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't. All right, scene 16. Down in the family room, Marsha and Greg are deep in a game of chess. When Peter comes walking in with a, hi, he pauses awkwardly and asks if there's anything he can do for them. To which they say no. He finishes saying, if you need anything, just holler, but holler loudly because I'll be up in my room listening to records. Greg dismisses it, saying that won't bother us. Peter once again takes the opportunity to drop a hint, saying how his records are scratchy and warped. He leaves, but not before reiterating 
how he could definitely use some new records. Once again, new records. Because <laughs> I don't know how to take care of the ones I have. Yeah, so you should so you buy should me more. Buy me more. I mean, if I got more, it'd be cool. Just saying. So once gone, Greg and Marsha begin to smile at how well their scheme is working. Do teenagers play chess with each other? Uh, I played chess with Rana just a couple weeks ago. I'll ask my question again. Do teenagers play chess with each other? <laughs> I guess, yeah. I mean, really? Not all teenagers, but. But I mean, I, I can't imagine two teenagers sitting around going, hey, you want to play video games? Oh, fuck that. Hey, do you want to, I don't know, go to the park? No. We should play chess. <laughs> I don't see that happening. Even yeah. in the 70s, I don't see that happening. I see more happening in the 70s, but. but want to play basketball? Nah. You want to do quaaludes and smoke doobies? Nah. Hey, let's play chess. Like, that's, <laughs> I don't see that happening. Do quaaludes? Well, that's a 70s drug. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I keep saying quaaludes, because it, like, it doesn't apply now. <laughs> Scene 17. Back in the den, Mike is still busy working on the typewriter when Carol comes in saying, Brave Hunter, you like Eskimo wife? <laughs> you have to hate. You have to hate. Mike turns in surprise. He compliments the outfit saying, oh, that's something. I may lose you to Smokey the Bear. Hmm. The fuck? Carol excitedly asks if he likes it. Mike replies, yeah, but sees right through Carol's fake excitement asking how much it costs. Hmm. Carol looks irritated as she goes deadpan saying, I borrowed it from Barbara. Mm. Mike looks thrilled saying how much he loves it. Mm. Carol sarcastically replies, ha ha. Mike then turns his attention to that typewriter smacking and saying how it's hopeless. He then says that he thinks he's going to put his notes on tape. Uh Oh, (laughs) he asks Carol to hand him the tape recorder to which she does. Carol then asks Mike why Peter mowed the yard twice the day before. Mike thinks nothing of it, suggesting that Peter is trying to make up for the problems he's caused. After saying this, Mike turns on the tape recorder only to hear Greg and Marsha talking about the surprise party. Carol and Mike listen in concern. Hmm. Um, Mike can't afford another typewriter. What the fuck? Like, I don't know. He can afford that fancy ass tape recorder, but he can't afford, type, afford a typewriter. Also, by the way, his type, his recorder, you can buy on yeah. eBay from anywhere between fifty and one hundred and fifty dollars with the box included. Ooh, nice! It's it's cheaper now than it was back then. Anyways, um, also like my point before, electric typewriters were absolutely available in nineteen seventy one, so that he totally could have bought an electric one where he didn't have to deal with any of this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love how Mike only thinks about how much that ugly jacket costs. <laughs> yeah like she's like what do you think it's like how much does that fucking thing cost mm-hmm. oh i love it then so i thought it was funny <laughs> uh sorry that i hate to keep going off tangent here but this is real quick i was watching mary with children last night and al bunny's sitting on the couch and kelly his teenage daughter comes walking in mm-hmm. and she goes daddy i love you so much and like sits next to him puts her arms around him and he's like how much and she's like a lot and he's like no how much money do you need and she's like i just told you a lot that's <laughs> fine <laughs> and just tricked me it's fine. anyway so what you're saying is my 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 little thing was so exciting that you were daydreaming about married children <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's just, cool that's cool 
scene 18. <laughs> the kids are now gathered outside as Carol and Mike leave on their big sex, I mean, ski trip. <laughs> Mike reminds them that they'll be back Sunday night. Peter smirks as he says, sure you will. <laughs> Greg and Marcia smile as Greg says, we sure have Peter going. I, st- I still say this is kind of fucked up. It is. It's very fucked up. Um, what makes it more fucked up is later they forget about their joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, shit. He's like dressed up. <laughs> Why are you dressed up? Oh, oh shit. <laughs> Why are you wearing a fucking suit? Oh, oh, that's right. People do that now. Yeah. <laughs> Scene 19. <laughs> we now see Peter upstairs getting ready for the big party. Partay. Partay. What's before part B? Partay. That's right. He's dressed in a shirt and a tie, and he's fixing his collar as Bobby walks in. Bobby asks what he's all dressed up for. Peter tells him he's just getting ready. Bobby asks for what? Peter thinks he's bluffing, but goes along with it, saying nothing in particular. He then explains to Bobby that at his age, you go through a neatness period. (laughs) Bobby sees how silly he looks and says that he hopes it doesn't happen to him. Peter warns him that it wouldn't hurt for him to look neater tonight. Bobby gives him a dirty look, saying, you're off your rocker and leaves. Peter finishes by putting on his suit jacket. Suit jacket. Yeah. So what is that thing on the table? Did you happen to see it? Yeah, it's a car. It's a a car with a convertible top, the one that Bobby grabs and leaves? No. Oh. I took a picture of it just in case. So it's this thing right here. It was sitting on the table. Oh, I didn't even see that. It's like, I don't even know how to describe it. Can you describe it? It looks like the 3D chessboard from Star Trek. That's that's what I was going to say, but I wasn't sure if anybody would know what that was. Yeah, it's like a different... I don't even know what it's for. Maybe to display cars, like it possibly could Mass be yeah. cars. Maybe, yeah. If anybody has any idea, it's orange. Did your cat just sneeze into the microphone? <laughs> no, sneezed into me. Oh. She sneezes um, all the time. Um, yeah. If anybody knows, it's like orange in shape, and it looks like the 3D chessboard from Star Trek: Next Generation. I'll post a pic on yeah. Instagram. So if anybody knows what it is, uh, we'd like to know. It's it's just bugging us. Yeah. You're um, also going to have a party. Better put a suit on. Yeah, right? Um, why do kids... <laughs> why do kids wear fucking suits to parties? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't wear a suit until I went to homecoming. Yeah. Like, I didn't even wear a suit when my grandmother died. So yeah. I didn't um, wear a suit when my dad died. So this, uh, I don't get wearing suits. Especially buying a suit for a kid? Wow, yeah, right? You know, you know how many you're going to fuck about? Well, it's different for them because he that was probably Greg's. Oh, yeah, that's true. You know, and they have they just tell Alice to fucking hem it for whatever. So. <laughs> right. It's not like they're paying for it. So. <laughs> All right. So, scene t- 20. Uh, Peter is now ready in a suit and runs to the top of the stairs in excitement, only to have nothing happen. He runs down the stairs looking for everyone, then gets the idea that they're probably in the den. Of course, because why wouldn't they be? Exactly, yeah, right. We're just fucking... He throws open the door in excitement, but sees nothing. He walks back into the living room, confused, spots the kitchen, and smiles as he runs towards it. He runs into the kitchen to see nothing again. But he hears Greg's voice in the family room and realizes that's where they are. This is kind of fucked up, but it's kind of funny at the same time. 
Yeah. It's kind of funny to see me like, ah! oh, shit. <laughs> Running around in a fucking suit. Like, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's just funny. It's fucked up, huh? It is. Yeah, yeah. you're like giving, yeah. giving your motherfucking ass off. Yeah, right. Scene. Oh, did you have a note? No. Scene 21. <laughs> Peter runs through the door only to see Greg and Marcia still playing chess. Peter awkwardly says, hi. To which Greg and Marcia reply, hi. Greg points out that he sure is dressed up. Peter agrees, then explains that he doesn't want to interrupt their game and leaves saying he's going to have a glass of milk. After Peter leaves, Greg begins to feel bad, saying he sure is all charged up about the party. Marsha agrees, saying how she feels kind of funny about it now. They both agree to tell him the truth, and they go into the kitchen. Hmm. I honestly wasn't expecting them to feel bad. I yeah. was expecting them to get in trouble for it, like and be like giggling their asses off and shit, and then get in trouble. I really <laughs> wasn't for wasn't expecting them to feel bad about. It. Hmm. So. Yeah. <clears throat> Not everybody's heartless, Jimmy. Mm, most people. <laughs> ah, so cynical and sad. <laughs> Scene twenty-two. Peter is pouring himself some milk as Greg and Marcia come in feeling bad. Greg tells Peter that. They better not talk to him about something. What? Nope. Greg tells Peter that they better talk to him about something. <laughs> you better not talk to me about something. Because <laughs> if you do, I'm drinking milk. You better not talk to me about something. Sorry. It reminds me of those milk ads. Yeah, I'm right, drinking right. milk now. Um, Greg begins to explain how there's not going to be a surprise party. Peter grins for a second before crossing to put the milk back. He questions, surprise party? What? <laughs> Marsha walks to Peter and with a more serious voice says, Peter, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. What? What's that from? <laughs> really? It's not your fault. It says it over and over again. Uh, it's from um, uh, 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 um, Goodwill Hunting. I've only seen it once. Oh, my God. Movie's um, great. Anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> Marcia says, Peter, it was a joke. Greg adds on to it, admitting it was a bad one and that they were only trying to teach him a lesson. Marcia continues that her and Greg taped the stuff onto the tape recorder about the party. Peter starts to believe what they're saying and looks disappointed. He tells him that he doesn't blame them for being sore and that he realizes that he probably deserves it. Just then, we hear Carol shouting, surprise! Okay, I, I thought this was a really good scene, considering it's three kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? I thought Peter did a good job of, or, or Christopher Knight did a good job of kind of suspending the whole disappointment. Like, yeah. It's like, okay. I mean, I, without <laughs> right. coming out and saying the line, like, I thought he did a pretty good job. But also, I thought Greg, or... um. Um, Marsha, Marie McCormick, Marie McCormick Barry and Williams. Barry Williams, yeah, did a good job of like passing back and forth, like relying on each other to get Christopher Knight to believe yeah. that. You know what I mean? I just thought the whole scene went really good. That's cool. So, okay. Scene 23. Mm -hmm. Mike and Carol have come home early what? and they're carrying gifts, Tech. What? They shout for all the kids to come downstairs as well as Alice who was most likely looking forward to having a weekend off. <laughs> Carol announces that they're having a party for Peter. What? When Jan asks, how come? 
Mike announces because he got an A in geometry. Peter looks happy and shocked, saying that Greg and Marcia told him it was a joke. Carol assures him that this is no joke. Bobby sounds concerned, pointing out that they didn't buy him any presents. Carol assures him that they did <laughs> and that they all have amazing taste. Mike rushes things along, pointing out that he still needs to get some uh, <laughs> and needs to get back to the lodge tonight. <laughs> Greg and Marcia walk over sheepishly and ask how they found out about this. Carol tells them that a little tape recorder told them. <laughs> Mike then turns his attention to parenting, asking why they did it. Marcia begins explaining that Peter really did do a dirty trick on him. Greg finishes the thought, saying the only punishment he got was to promise not to do it again. Mike looks stern as, and says, sometimes a promise is enough. Carol points out, and rightfully so, that next time they need to leave the disciplining to them. Greg and Marsha agree and apologize. Peter gets excited, saying he got a tape recorder of his very own. Wow. Carol assures that he won't do it again by asking if he knows what to do with it. Alice then butts in, telling Peter to open hers because she is dying to know what she got him. <laughs> oh, cool. So Peter doesn't learn a lesson. <laughs> nope. And uh, Andy gets his own tape recorder, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like what the fuck that's like dude yeah and so they left the lodge to bring a party and presents and then they still have to go back no I, I think they never got there because um because mike says the line we still need to get to the lodge oh that's true yeah um but also um i yeah i'm, I'm, I'm with you i don't get this ending at all um i think it was lazy writing yeah you know i think they had the premise of the show that they wanted to do with the recorder and they didn't know how to wrap it up um, but the last part of our little price cost analysis. <laughs> yeah. Um, this one, I couldn't really find the model of the tape recorder because okay. it doesn't really specify. Oh, because he got his own different one. Right. Yeah. So, um, I just looked up a generic tape recorder. It looked like a basic bitch model. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so a basic bitch model, yeah. the cassette recorder, this is a cassette recorder. This is not real to real. Right. Right. right? Mm -hmm. So a basic model cassette recorder in 1970. Yeah. How much money do you think it would have cost then? 71 money? Well, yeah. And to reiterate, the one back then that his father had, Mike's mm -hmm. recorder, retails at $39.95. That's the MSRP on it. So how much do you think um, Peter's cost? Well, this is newer technology. It is. But so, it's a lesser model, too. Right, right, yourself. right. So I would say... $25. Close. $29.88. Okay. So in today's money, that would be... I have no idea. Oh, well, you're like the expert of this. I'm not the expert. I just Google it. I got a calculator. <laughs> just Google. Um, go ahead. Do you know the answer? Yes. Oh, well, I'll have to guess. I guess. <laughs> I didn't know you knew the answer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I would say uh, like 160 or something. $206. Holy shit. Yeah. So they bought this child a $206 <laughs> gift. Damn. So that he would feel better. <sighs> Talk about spoiled. Holy shit. You know, I can we always joke that Mike has money, but look at this. I can understand why Jan's pissed all the time now. I talk, I totally get it now. <laughs> they wouldn't do that to Jan. No. They wouldn't, even, they wouldn't even let Greg spend that much on a car or whatever. Anyways. In fact, next week is a Jan episode. Let's see what we do for Jan. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's the last part of our little cost thing. 
All right, so final scene. Yep. All right, let's move on. Scene 24. Back up in the boys' room, Peter is playing with his new cassette recorder. Greg and Marsha walk in saying hi and asking how he likes his new recorder. Peter stands and tells them how neat it is, telling them they can borrow anytime they want. Greg agrees how handy that would come with schoolwork and taking notes in class. Peter tells them that it's kind of tricky to operate and to be careful. He begins pointing out which button records and which one you press to play what you recorded. You know, because it's pretty difficult because it was like there was like five buttons. Right. And you have to play the one that it says play on it. Yeah. Are you following me? Yeah. But but the problem is, is how are you supposed to fucking read it when your finger is blocking it when you go to press the button? That's like those fucking pie pans that have like the pie recipe on the bottom of the pan. Exactly. As soon as you put the pie crust down. Dude, I've 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 spilled so many pies on the floor. (laughs) (sighs) Peter warns them not to press it because he already had some stuff on it. He then sets them up saying, but you wouldn't be interested in that. So don't press play, whatever you do. So then Peter leaves Greg and Marsha with his recorder. As soon as Peter leaves, he tells Marsha that Peter is just dying for them to listen to what he recorded. Greg sits down and listens only to hear Peter apologizing to Greg and Marsha and scolding them for listening when they shouldn't have been. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, he had to explain how taper, tape recorder works. Yeah, that's a weekend. Plus, they used one earlier that's more complicated. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a weak fucking ending. Sorry. If you want to stop what you're listening to, you hit this fifth button over here that says stop. <laughs> If you want to play, sorry. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, but what does fufa mean? Tack? Oh, that's true. Or fufa. rude. Rude? Yeah. Rude? Yeah. Good point. Exactly. Huh. And that's the end that's of the episode. episode. All right. All right. So, um, yeah. Yeah. That was fun. I mean, it was a fun episode, but it was a weak as hell ending. Yeah, it was kind of a... That writing sucked. It was weak. I think they spent too much, too much time on last week's episode. Maybe. Right now. Maybe. Actually, the next episode, did you see how many writers are on that? No. Holy shit. We'll talk about it next week. Okay. So, I'll do the disclaimer that Tack usually does. Yeah. We had fun here today, but I'll be offended. We do love the show. We are not racist or sexist. Or... I can't think of a third one. Okay. Yeah. We don't discriminate. No, nope. we don't. And I'm going to assign some homework here. Oh, shit. Yep. So uh, go check out our website at averybradypodcast.com. Do a rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, and CastBox. Tell two friends about the show. And if you don't like the show, tell your two enemies. Mm -hmm. Send an email to the show and tell us how you like or dislike the show at averybradypodcast at gmail.com. Join the Facebook group and join in on the conversation and the fun. It's called A Very Brady Facebook Group. Check out the Patreon. And that would be a patreon.com forward slash a very Brady podcast. Or check out our Instagram at a very Brady podcast. Follow us on Facebook and get updates. And most importantly, get out there and watch some Brady Bunch. Right? So now Tack is going to tell us about what we have to look forward to next week. And 
and yeah. what your homework is to watch this week. So tell them what their homework is, Tag. All right. So your homework next week is to watch season three, episode 10, entitled Her Sister's Shadow. Mm. Let me tell you what that's about. This has the iconic line in it, Jimmy. It does, yeah. So it's about Jan is tired of being compared to Marsha and constantly being told how great her older sister is. So she tries to do something that Marsha never accomplished. Make the pom-pom team. Oh, shit. Right? Yeah, okay. And if you know that iconic line, hit us up. Right? Okay, so... I guess that's about it, right? Unless you have anything else? No, that's it. All right, cool. Well, I have been Jimmy. I've been Tech. And this has been the Very Brave Podcast. And we will see you on a sunshine day. Keys Moten. Hey, thanks so much for stopping by and checking out the show. And come on back here for new episodes every Monday. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rate and review. It helps the show out tremendously. Head on over to AVeryBradyPodcast.com to check out past guests. And maybe you wonder what Jimmy and I look like, but, you know, it's not as good as you think, so don't get too excited. And you can contact us at AVeryBradyPodcast at gmail.com. Send us an email and we'll read it on the show. And also head on over to the merch store at tpublic.com. The link is in the description below. And don't forget to join the Facebook group. It's called A Very Brady Facebook Group. And also there's a like page for the show as well called A Very Brady Podcast. So join in on the fun. Join in on the conversation. Post memes. Do whatever you want. Just don't be a racist dick. And be sure to also check out the Patreon page. If you enjoy the show, give a donation and become a patron. We'd certainly appreciate it. Just head on over to patreon.com forward slash a very Brady podcast. Until then, this has been a very Brady podcast and have a sunshine day. You've been listening to a fourth hand joint.